You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. My favorite, it's Judd's Hockey Show. He certainly has a skill to make good, good plays, um, good passes. He's, he's very, very aggressive in front of our net. Um, you know, he's, he's a willing and able shot blocker. He's an excellent penalty killer. And, uh, you know, those are things that, that we value. So, um, like, like I said, they're, he, he's really comfortable in, the, in what he brings to the team every night, and, and he does that. He shows up every night. That is Wild GM Bill Guerin talking about the acquisition. The yes, he is. And the, he was talking about the acquisition of 31-year-old defenseman Ian Cole from the Colorado Avalanche as the Wild makes an early season trade. Uh, Greg Patteron going to the Avs in that deal. Welcome into Judd's Hockey Show. It is Judd's old kid, Declan Goff. And Declan, what was your first thought? Because I, I know that you said that you saw some pushback when you saw that Bill Guerin had made a trade for a veteran D-man that he is very familiar with because Ian Cole, much like Nick Benino, who is now with the Wild, won two Stanley Cups in Pittsburgh when Billy was the assistant GM there. I, I think this is a fine trade. I was uh, I was, I was wrist-deep in wings when I when I got this trade down. I, I, was, at? I was at uh, Runyon's in, in, in Minneapolis, and they had actually had that NHL network on, thank God. So I was at Runyon's really? and... and, 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 and uh, for Runyon's. I won some of the best free advertising right here. Some of the best dang wings in the Twin Cities right at Runyon's. Really good stuff. Anyway. Well, full Bills fans, closer. Oh, yeah, to totally. Totally. And, uh, and, and they had and that initial network on, and I was with someone, and then all of a sudden I uh, I did the classic stop paying attention, and I looked up, and she's like, and what are, you, what are you doing over there? And I was like, there's a trade. And I'm not paying on. attention to you is what there's I'm a, doing. There's a trade. Yeah, this there's is something that is now taken over. Any relationship. It's more important than my wings. Trade. It's more important than the drink in my hand. Hold on. Um, well, and just say it. It's more important you than you what? right now because the Wild just made a deal. That's right. And the Wild trade for Ian Cole, a bottom six guy. And look, this is like people, I, even Brother Liam. Brother Liam texted me, Judd, in a little bit of a panic. Patteron for Cole, he says with a bunch of question marks. Says, don't like it. The PK was horrible with Patteron out last season. Ian Cole is old and slow. I just don't get the move. All right, look. Ian Cole is a little bit more expensive than Greg Patteron. I get that. Now, at the same time. Colorado was picking up 800,000 of that cap hit. So basically, I think uh, Pattern was making 2.1, and now Ian Cole's making about 3.4 against the Wilds cap. Yep. Ian Cole's been there and done that. He's a Bill Guerin guy. He's won a couple Stanley Cups. He actually was a big part of getting that Colorado Blue, uh, Colorado Avalanche blue line back on track last season. Um, he played 19 minutes a night. He's going to be someone who only is going to play, you know, 13, 14 here, if that. Mm-hmm. This is a fine trade. You're swapping out bottom six defense. Like, don't freak out over swapping bottom six last pairing defense. The Wild are so deep. So, on what's defense. the concern? The cap? The cap hit, I guess. But why? Because if if you need to make another trade, you're going to probably trade an existing player off your roster and create cap space to then compensate for the cap space that you're taking sure. back. So, and as of right now, and this is a potential issue. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Right now, as it stands, according to our friends at Cap Friendly, the Wild only have a hundred and forty six thousand in cap space. What's Dumba make? Dumba makes six million. Okay, six million. I just solved your problem. So, and also, and as we talked about on Mackie and Judd, Apple, Spotify, Score North, and YouTube, um, you can possibly use Ian Cole as two options. Number one, if you start to bottom out, you can sell him off, just like the other rentals on this team, like Marcus Johansson, Benito, Bug said, go down the list. Or, or if you want to trade. Matt Dumba to, I don't know, maybe get the top line center you're looking for. Mm-hmm. You could then plug into Ian Cole because he can, he can play top four. I wouldn't trust him as a mainstay in the top four, but he could slide into that role and it would be fine as, as a placeholder. The Wilders are so deep on the blue line, it really wouldn't matter. So this is a fine trade. Don't freak out. Like I, I'm not praising it as in, it's a savvy move necessarily. And I don't think the majority of people are probably freaking out. No. I think the majority of pe- people are probably saying, Okay, fine. Yeah, and that's what that's what it should be. Okay, fine. It's all right. It's all good. So g- going down the path that you just did, I like this trade because it does provide a potential 
fl- flexibility with a defenseman that Bill Guerin trusts more, which is good. Like, yeah. you know, Cole is 32, I think, in February. So he's he's no kid. He's been around. I think he was drafted in the first round by the Blues in 2007. So he is a veteran, veteran player. Uh, but he will provide stability. He can probably play top uh, top four defense if absolutely necessary. He can certainly uh, pair with Susie on that last pair. Mm-hmm. Now, now, Pedrin was a right-handed shot, and Susie is a left shot. Ian Cole is a left shot. Uh, but I believe Bill Guerin on the conference call uh, or on the uh, Zoom call about talking about the trade yesterday brought up the fact that Susie played, I think, on the third pair with um, Brad Hunt at times last year. And if I'm not mistaken, they're both left shots and Susie, I think, played the right side. So that was doable. So for the reasons that you mentioned, I like this trade. But here's where I love this trade. All right. Hit me. I continue to applaud the work that Bill Guerin has done to reshape this team on the ice Mm -hmm. and just as importantly, off the ice. The veteran guys, I talked about the fact that Cole won a couple Stanley Cups uh, in Pittsburgh after he was brought aboard in 2016-17 when Bill Guerin was the assistant GM to uh, Jim Rutherford there. Uh, Nick Bonino was on those teams as well. My point being... So for all that we talked about, the potential captains, right? Felino, Spurgeon, blah, blah, blah. And it ended up being Spurgeon. The most important thing is that you have a solid room and that you have guys who know how to win. And most importantly, because this was, I, I think if we were to put together a checklist of off-the-ice things that drove us um, crazy, I not, did that. that drove us crazy <laughs> about the wild, not wild about the crazy uh near the top of my list off the ice decks would have been the fact that i don't know for a long time who in that room held players accountable i don't for for as snarly as koivu could be i think he was comfortable and i don't know that he truly consistently got in guys faces right uh parisian suitor i don't know that i don't think so the young group who began to age, Coyle, Nino, Granlund, that group. Yep. I don't think they ever felt comfortable enough or were empowered or felt like that was their role. So my question was, when the team went into a slump, which they quite frequently did, it felt like in January or Ooh. February, right? Swoon. Yes. The swoon, who like went in there and said, boys, this is going to end right now. No like one. on my watch. Nobody. No so, Garen, who was a captain previously when he was a player and knows exactly what it takes to be an effective leader on a team, yep. Bill Garen understood that. And so he spent X amount of months after taking the wild job, and I think he observed, and I think he watched, and I think he was probably fairly quiet about that, and he saw what we all saw, and that's now changed. And he has now brought in a group of guys on what amount to be because of their expiration, favorable contracts, but most importantly, who can set to use Patrick Royce's least favorite term in the world, a culture (laughs) in that room that we all knew was necessary to be set probably five years ago. This was a a good move for Bill Guerin because he knows that this room needs a little shakeup and bringing in guys like Benino, bringing in guys like Ian Cole, are part of that process. This does not mean that guys like Niederreiter and Coyle and Zucker and Granlin weren't bad hockey players, because I think they were good hockey players, and they're serviceable, and, and they're on good careers here. Charlie's had a nice start in Boston, you know, had a, had a, had a goal in the game in Carolina. But Bill Guerin knows what it takes to win, by the way. He's won a couple cups. He's been there, done that. He's a former NHL captain. He moved quickly from retiring right into the front office role with Pittsburgh, and he wants to put his stamp on this team. And as much as Chuck Fletcher was a savvy a guy who wasn't afraid to make a big trade, and Paul Fenton, who I think was a very good scout, but a horrible person and, and people pleaser, um, Bill Guerin is easily, I think, the most competent and respected GM the Wild have had. And 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 I know the list isn't long there between Riseboro and Fletcher and whatnot, but I really think that he is 
This might take a little while, too. It's not going to be an overnight fix, necessarily, judging by how this roster is constructed right now with so many UFAs on the team. Mm-hmm. But when, when he knows there's a right player for this team, I think he's not afraid to pull the trigger, number one, to make a trade to ha- make it happen, or B, spend the money that's necessary to get that player. And I'm excited to see what he does next, because I know eventually we're going to be kicking the tires, possibly, on, on, on a trade another trade idea. So this is, this is good for the Wild. I'm glad. Yeah, and in, in uh, Chuck Fletcher's defense, I think Chuck meant well. And, and I think Chuck had at one time good ideas, but he couldn't. Once that, once that, um, Parisi Suter group, and then into the young group didn't progress like we thought. I think it became difficult for him to understand that that group was probably not going to be ever even close to a championship caliber team. So I think Chuck was good at what Chuck did, but it got stale, and Chuck didn't really change it. He he made some big moves as far as deadline deals and gave up draft picks. But yeah, Bill Guerin to his credit and Fenton Fenton did start this. So like you can't discount what Fenton did. For sure. But Bill Guerin has clearly had an idea of putting his stamp on this franchise. And he's basically morphed things into a direction where I think if you've watched this team for a long time, you can say now it makes sense. Because I'm sorry, the group of guys that they just sort of held on to and seemed to uh, cross their fingers and hoped, the rest of us were like, this now does not make sense. Correct. It, but here's what I love, too. <laughs> if you go to our uh, one of our favorite hockey sites, Cap Friendly Decks. I love Cap Friendly. Okay. Great site. How much do you love to see this? I'm looking. 2021-22 wild contracts. Yep. Marcus Johansson, after the 21 season, UFA. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Benino, who probably can be brought back. Sure. UFA. Nick Bukestead, UFA. Ian Cole, UFA. Brad Hunt, same thing. The point being, and this circles back to the point that you brought up off the top when I asked you about this trade, um, you have options here. Guys can walk if the Wild goes into a swoon before the April 13th uh, trade deadline. Guys can be dealt. But you have so much built-in flexibility now with top players potentially still here. So as of right now, the Wild have $22 million in cap space going into next season, which is a good chunk of change. However, I, I would remind fans that, yes, those UFAs are coming off the board, but two big RFAs are going to have to be signed. One is Kevin Fiala who's going to command a good contract, and, sure. and you will have to sign Kirill Kaprizov, who is, I believe, you can't give him an offer sheet, and it foregoes RFA status. So he, I don't think he's a true UFA, and he's not an RFA necessarily either. He's like in this weird, weird area. It says here, 10.2. it says here in, in the explanation of uh, Rule 10.2 uh, C, <laughs> this player has not accrued the necessary amount of professional seasons required for Group 2 RFA status. Uh, they are ineligible for an offer sheet. Please visit the CBA <laughs> FAQ for more information. Yeah. So, but yes, th- those two guys you are going to want to tie up. No so, question about it. You so are let's, correct. Uh, let, let's ballpark probably... I would say between both of them, probably about ten to eleven million. 10 and the to cap's 12. not going up. And the cap's not going up. It's going to stay the same. Yeah, I think that's correct. It's, it's going to stay flat. Yes. So ten of that, twelve of that million. I'll even say twelve. Let's just go uh, twelve. Twelve of that million is potentially going to go to those those two players. So that takes away twenty minus twenty two. That that leaves you with ten million dollars in cap space, and that is again a limited amount. But I'm excited to see where that can go. I, th- I think you still get creative uh, with how you want to want to attack that. The, <laughs> This where, should be good. Where would you spend it? Yeah. What oh, position? I, wonder what I, would get. I have no idea. Goaltending, maybe? Uh, no. Maybe another defenseman? I have my guy, Cam Talbot, in, in, in the cage right now, and he's looking uh, great. Center. Center, center, center. Oh, so the Wild starts off with a West Coast swing. Yep. They win over to, they come back from three to one deficits uh, against the LA Kings and win back to back games in OT. Uh, Four to three. They then get shut out uh, because John Gibson of the Ducks played fantastic on Monday night. We're recording this on Wednesday morning, actually, and the Wild will complete its West Coast swing against the Ducks, uh, second game of that two-game series, and then they will play host to the Sharks in their home opener on Friday. Let me tell you this, Dex. First of all, I like these series. 
Yeah, they're fun. I think the league's on to something here. I think this purely this is by good. accident. Mm-hmm. But I if you if you started to go out to the West Coast or play teams, I what I love is I love the the animosity that's built up between these teams. And if you have them play two or three times, it gets to be like a playoff hate. I love this. I think it's fun. I think if I'm the league scheduling wise, I take a long hard look at doing this more. At ha- having back-to-backs, at least. I like this fit. I, I like this from the get-go. Um, I think this is a, a good good place to be because I, I don't like the— I mean, the Wild end up traveling a ton because they're in such a weird spot geographically. I kind of like this. I kind of like just staying on—just like baseball, just stay on the road for 10 days. Just stay on the road for the week. Come back home for a week. I, I think this is honestly—like you said, they stumbled into it for, you know, unnecessary reasons, or for unfortunate reasons, I should say. Right. But— I think this is another thing that the NHL can adopt. We've talked about this with Garen and other players before that with the planned tournament and with this 56-game season, it's almost a trial run, a beta, if you will, for things that you can implement when the regular season does restart and things hopefully get back to normal the next couple of years. I, I really do enjoy this. I think it's fun. And also, late night starts, it's not that big of a deal. Were they? They're not that big of a deal. Well, but but here's the key thing. <laughs> we, we have not seen, I don't think uh, so far, a 9.30 Central start. True. 8 p.m. is great. That's fine. 8 p.m. is fantastic. That's a sweet spot. Totally. Because you're done by 11-ish. Yeah, by 11. That's absolutely fine. I like it. I dig it. Yes. If you if you have um, a central time zone team play on the West Coast and drop the puck by at least 9, that's fine. It's the 9.35 starts I detest. All right. Power play deficiency so far. Oh, boy. Wild 0 for 16 on the power play. <laughs> Didn't know that was possible. So here's the question for you. Yep. And I, I believe entering last night's game, uh, entering last night's games, plural, the Wild had the worst power play in the league. Vancouver was 0 for 15. Wild 0 for 16. Cause for concern or only a matter of time? This is c- coming from a guy nicknamed Panic. <laughs> is this cause for concern in your mind, Declan Goff? Yeah. Or is this simply a three-game hashtag small sample size only a matter of time before this team breaks out and you're actually not concerned. Here's what's so confusing to me is I, I thought in the first game, the power play, even though they didn't score and they haven't scored at all this season, but I thought in the first game, it looked damn, it looked good. It looked good. They had fine looks in, in front of the net and because they couldn't win a, a face off to save their lives five on five or on the power play, we had to, we had to blow up all the lines and I didn't understand that at all. Now the second unit, what I, what I liked from the first unit on opening night, which I believe was, Fiala, Kaprizov, Parise, Dumba, Spurgeon. Correct. I believe was the first unit. Was the and honestly, game. I still like that unit. I agree. It puts all of your hot shots on one unit, and it makes that second one kind of blah. But I'd rather have this unit out there because Fiala and Kaprizov have to be playing together, at least in the power play. Mm-hmm. If we, if we can have a discussion on should they be on the same line five on five. I, I can definitely, we can have that discussion. But on the power play, on a man advantage with two dynamic forwards like that, you need them on the ice with a man advantage. So those two have to be together. Now, the conundrum is, who the heck is going to win the faceoff draw? Because right now, Zach Parise has been the one that they tried in training camp, but because it didn't work out so well, you had to throw Nick Benino in. Look, Nick Benino, God bless him, I love the guy, but, but he's not. he has no business being on a number one power play unit. Nope. You can make a case. He has no business being on any power play unit. Nope. So I, I think you still stick with Parise or... Until you find the true number one center, it's going to be pretty damn difficult to do that. But if I if I was Dean Evison, I would go back for the number one unit of Fiala, Kaprizov, Prezi, Dumba, Spurgeon. Yeah, and so by game three against the Ducks, the top power play for the Wild was Kaprizov, Benino, Parisi, Spurgeon, Fiala, and I believe I believe Fiala was the pseudo left point guy. Okay. Yep. You're right about what they should do. And I've got some face-off evidence to bring to the table of why I think Parisi should be given another shot yeah. to try and win face-offs. Game one, he was a brutal three of nine. Three and nine. So he won three, he lost nine. But game two, when he still got a chance to take six of them, he won five. He was five and one against Not the Kings bad. in game two. Pretty damn good, yep. And game three... He was a respectable enough three and four. So in the past two games, <laughs> he's eight and five. Great. Now, Benino, what uh, what Dean loves about him 
is in the three games, game by game, he was 13 and 7 in game one. 11 and 10, so not as good in game two. But, but then against the Ducks in the game where you're talking about that he was on the top power play unit, he was 11 and 5, and so he is 35 and 22. Um, but one is I want Parisi or I, I want Caprisa, Parisi, Fiala up front. Two is I want Dumba back on that top power play. Yeah. And, and the one thing that actually concerned me not to fixate too much uh, about shots on goal. The one thing that actually concerned me about uh, the ducks game overall in the shots on goal category was I believe Dumba had zero shots. Yeah. Like that's not right. No, he has to one. He'll shoot two. He's got a uh, absolute howitzer from the blue line. So I understand what they're trying to do with Benino winning faceoffs, but I think it's far more dangerous if it's Kaprizov, Parisi, uh, Spurgeon, Dumba, Fiala. And here's my other point, though, about when I ask you cause for concern or only a matter of time before it clicks. I think it is a matter of time and in fairness to everybody involved, what we need to keep in mind here is this one. Okay. Training camp was what? Eight days? Yeah. Like you didn't have any time, right? So, so if this was an ordinary year, right now we'd be in the midst of training camp, and I believe we'd be about five games into preseason games to work on the power play. So I'm not concerned, yeah. But I do, but I do think I do think the panic of yanking Parisi off the faceoffs from that top line on the power play was premature. I'd go back to that and give that a shot. Because if Benino, once he is out there and wins the faceoff, what do you do exactly here? Makes you know, it difficult. What like, do you do here? Yeah, I don't know. I, I I think with the way they've looked on both those power plays, or uh, on the power plays through three games, I think mostly they've had good looks. And look, John Gibson's a damn good goaltender, even though Anaheim is dog bleep. And John Gibson is He's one of the good. better netminders. He's too good for him, as yeah. Wall said. Yeah. He wins games by he accident. Will. He will. So I, I think eventually the... the you know, something will break here, and they'll, they'll rattle off some power play goals. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Do we see your guy it. tonight on the power play? Do we see Brad Hunt <laughs> come down from the press box? Because I think he might. Honestly, I think so. I think you know you. I wouldn't you do swap it yet. Sushi or you swap Kubek, or actually, I don't even is is Ian Cole eligible to yes. play on Wednesday? He can play tonight. Okay, so I think yeah, I think Hunt maybe gets in there. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, that's fine. My guy Brad Hunt he likes White Claws though. According to our guy, he's a great Marcus guy. Plano. He's a great guy. Yeah, he's a great guy. But I'm telling you, go back to Dumba, Spurgeon, yep. and if, if I don't know what, what the exact power play time on ice was, but it felt like the second group that they used, at least against the Ducks, barely got out there. Yeah. So we're talking about that top five. I agree. All right. Line combination so far. Your thoughts on what, what we've had uh, as far as the combinations, because the thing that stands out to me, Dex, is I actually like the third and fourth lines. In all three games, one of those two lines to me has been super cohesive and really, really good. I also love the talent of some players who are on the first two lines. The problem there is this, and I think we talked about this a bit on um, Judd's Hockey Show after the Ducks loss. The problem is I like Kaprizov, I like Fiala, I like Parisi. But those top two lines, because there is no clear-cut center here, to me, lack of cohesiveness that your third and fourth lines definitely have, and I don't think that there is an on-the-roster fix. Yeah, this is tough, man. Uh, I mean, you maybe want to get Joel Erickson a look on the top six just because, just because, but at the same time, that the, his, his line mates with Greenway and Felino, that's been arguably its most cons- the team's most consistent line. Dino loves it, too. And, you can and tell. do you want to break that up? I don't know. You know, you could you, you possibly, once Matt Zuccarello gets back here, who looks like he's ready to practice, but it'll still take a, probably a week before he's ready for game shape. Maybe you scratch Victor Rask and move Hartman in for the fourth line center. You know, there's the fact that there's no true a center Zuccarello's here. Zuccarello's just going to add to the wing mix. Yeah, it's it's tough. That part is really tough. I, I think either you give Eck a shot or 
you don't just banish Bugstead after look, he had he didn't have a great game on opening night, but I mean for God's sakes, Victor Rask. No, you can't you can't throw out Victor Rask for for sixteen to seventeen minutes with Kirill Kaprizov. You just can't do that. So until you unless they're you're gonna, doing it, unless you're going to acquire, you, but they're doing it. A top line center, your your only option really is to get is to to try Eck, but then that breaks up the cohesiveness of, of your third line. This is this is this is a conundrum. This is a big and problem. the Bukestad, Okay, so back to back to to the fact that on opening night Bukestad was on the first line, and then by the second game he's on the fourth line. Like that's a drastic demotion for Victor Rask. Um, I think he got demoted in large part because on opening night again, Declan, he was zero for six on faceoffs, but then he came back in game two on the fourth line and won four or five. Now in game three. He only won two of seven. So that's not great. And if you had a guy to promote, I would do it. But Victor Rask, I mean, what are you doing here? I don't know. He can't. I watched the game tonight, and I am not joking, and I'm not trying to be a smartass here. Watch how, if he plays with that top line, he is behind the play consistently. He's reaching He is behind the play. And I am also not saying that Nick Bukestad's great. He's not. Ideally, I think he is probably a third or fourth line guy. But that being said, how do you convince yourself, unless you're on the precipice of trading him, which I don't think that they probably are, they couldn't be that fortunate. Probably not. How do you convince yourself that Victor Rask, because these these are smart guys, is a top-line center? He comes no like if I'm Kaprizov, I go into Everson and I'm like Dean, Dean, I can barely speak the language, but I'm going to tell you something right now. Forty nine ain't my guy. No, not good. And and Victor Rask is playing. I because there is an opening in the lineup, I guess. And and we saw this from Garen last season where they wanted to give him an opportunity so he could possibly trade him, but no one's trading for Victor Rask unless you're eating some of that money. And man, that that is. It stinks. That is that is that is a black eye on Paul Fenton. That was a horrible trade. I don't know. I I respect him for wanting to break up the room and saying we have to shake up the roster. But for someone, you know, man, he gave him away. And and we and we heard from behind the scenes that he was hell bent on everyone telling him you can't like you can trade Nito. That's fine. You can't acquire Victor Rask. Yes, sir. Absolutely cannot acquire this. Told him you can't do. You can't do this trade. Told him to shut up. And that was a mistake by. Paulie Fenton, but I don't know. I don't know what you do. Is he ma- mafia member? Paulie, Paulie, Paulie Fenton. Paulie Fenton, Fenton, uh, Fenton can't make that trade. Victor Asky, huh? Can't um, make that trade, Paulie Fenton. I think uh, I think you have to go try to get the number one center because up until now, this is just what we're gonna have to roll with. It's literally gonna be Kaprizov and Fiala dragging them. So when when he he is prepared to return from all we know at this point, an upper body injury. Nineteen year old first round pick Marco Rossi. In your world, Declan, what is his role? Because that's that's the one that I think a lot of people are waiting on. I will tell you this right now. I if you plug him into to the first line upon return, I think it's too much. At nineteen, if he was Kaprizov's age, I'm doing it. At nineteen, I'm going to give him a shot for sure. I'd prefer it be on the second line way more than than from day one. But but. The Wild might not have a choice here. I, I think you have to give him on the first line. I don't care. And you might be right. I don't care. I don't care that. But you don't want to ruin him. You're not going to ruin him. You don't want to ruin him. You're not going to ruin him. Like, what What would be the, like, what, he's going to be a little overwhelmed? I don't. Yes. <sighs> By the game itself, Please. yes. Coming back, coming back from injury, yes. I'm saying that. I don't know, man. This I team's don't. pretty smart about how they go about things. I don't know. That's a lot to ask. I think you have to try it. Up and, I mean, they might have to. For, would you? Or they ra- might. Would you rather see Victor Rass centering this line or Marco Rossi with no experience, the top line that is? Yeah, I mean, that, the answer it answers itself. It well, answers itself. Un- un- unless, I, unless I think it's going to be a problem. I'm not doing any long term. I'm not going to create any long term problems for Rossi if I think it. This depends on his mental state to me. Okay. That's what it, it depends on. But the problem is there is no one on this current roster who can even sniff playing that role. Like, there's not even a guy where you can just plug him in and be comfortable. 
No. Bukestad's not that guy. No, no, no. Rask, the the only guy, I, the only guy who you could justify it, but you you would have to break up probably your most solid line is Eck. Yeah. Like I would, I would probably, if I was going, if Marco Rossi comes back, uh, and I'm going to play him, which I'm sure that that they they will, because they've got what, six games, right? Six games to play him Mm -hmm. uh, before they have to make a decision on, Potentially him going back to Austria or if the uh, juniors in Canada start. If I was going to play him, and I will, I would put him on the second line and I would promote Eck. That's what I would do. Okay. But I, I mean, I'd promote Eck tonight. Yeah. One of those two like, things. This is not, to, to me, this is not tenable. I can't have Kaprizov, who is phenomenal, and Parisi, who's very solid. Like he's yep. he's good at being Zach. Yep. I can't have them with Rask or Bukestead. No. So I guess I call Greenway, Felino, and Eck together, and I say, you guys did a great job. And if I can, if in the future I'm in a position to reunite you, I'm going to do it. But it's not like they're going to deteriorate. No. Um, but I, I, I guess, Dex, so just to go through this off the top of my head quickly right now, I guess what I would do is I'd go – Eck on my top line, mm-hmm. okay? I would go um, Bukestad on my third line. Okay. So I would put him in the Eck role between Felino and Greenway. Yep. I'm putting Rask back on my fourth line. And who's my second line guy right now? Who, who's been their, their second line? Uh, well, oh, Benino or Bukestad. Benino. Yeah. So I'm putting Benino. Benino's my second. So I'm going... For tonight's game against the Ducks, I would go personally depth chart wise, Eck first line, Benino second line, Bukestad third line, Rask fourth line. Yeah, I think you. I think that's fine. I think you have to do that. And then if Rossi can play, I probably bump Benino down, Rossi to second line, and then if he fits in and he's good, he goes to first. Did you line. say Benino between the on the second line? Second line. I would actually put him. Third I would line. put Benino on third because I think his his skill set okay. is more similar to X, and Bukestad would be, I think, better served to be in the top six. Okay, that's that fine. Role. That's fine. But X has to get a chance at some point. I agree, and I think I think that's probably going to come here very soon. <clears throat> All right, loaded question for you. All right. <laughs> Can't believe I'm about to ask this. I know. Does the lack of depth and just overall competence, at least top six at center, Make you miss Eric Stahl or Miko Koivu? Stahl, yes. Stahl, yes. I do miss Eric Stahl. And this might be this Johansson for Stahl trade. It might end up being one of Garen's also worst trades. Johansson looks. It's three games. I, it's three games. So three we're games, overreaction. Small sample size. You're, overreaction. A young, you're a young man. You can't. You've, you got a point to sample size. And a lot of people said, why are you? Why are the Wild going to trade their if do de facto best center for a guy who can't really play center, even though he has a history of it? This could end up biting them in, in the butt. And through four games for Buffalo, Eric Saul just has, a, has a one assist, no goals. But I would feel a lot better about the Wild's top line if Eric Stahl was centering it. I will say that. I'd feel a lot better about it. I'm not saying it would be a godsend decision and, and everything is going up wild, but I, I do think Eric Stahl would right now be the best center on the well, like he was for the last basically three years. I hate this question, and I asked it. I know you did. This is you, man. So, Cuevo has been out uh, with the Jackets with COVID, correct? Correct. He's okay. on the COVID list. And he was... I don't miss my COVID. By the end of last <laughs> season, he was a fourth-line guy. Right. And so he could not play... First line. Or I guess he could, but it would not be good. All right. Eric Stahl. Let's go there. Okay. Because Eric Stahl, from a on-ice personnel standpoint, would be this team's best center choice for that top line right now. Okay? Okay. So I get that. Yep. That being said, the question then to me becomes, is having him out of the room worth the trade-off of not having the attributes that he might bring as a veteran who had definitely slowed down. So I'm not saying that he was he, he was not the Eric Stahl that he was a, a, a couple of years back when he scored, what, 40 goals or something. He was not that player. But he would, I still think, be the best choice to play center on that top line. But that being said, with Garen 
having a clear vision of who he wanted to move on from. Yeah. Eric Stahl was on that list for sure. Mm-hmm. So I would not take him back right now because I think that this team, as far as its roster construction goes and as far as where it is philosophically, I, I still think it's in transition. Yeah. And the same. transition is necessary. And so if this team, if I thought that this team was like pretty damn good, it it's a nice team with nice components. I don't think it's pretty damn good yet. Of course. Um, if it was pretty damn good, I would say you really missed Stahl. But because of the fact that Garen did such a good job and has done a good job of cleaning out the players around, for the most part, Parisian suitor, mm-hmm. I like the move a lot. And so from the standpoint of would he be your best center on the top line right now, the answer is yes. Am I glad he's not here? My answer is yes. So it's sort of a in-depth discussion of the trade-off that you make by not having him both physically on the ice, but also in that locker room. And I didn't, and I wanted him moved out of that room. I understand those reasons. That makes sense. Um, I will say right now, if you if take the locker room aspect aside, Eric Stahl is right now a more valuable asset to the Wild than Marcus Johansson would be. This is true. So that that will we'll not argue that for that, one. That second. part is true. Not um, argue that for one second. That, but again, this might be probably Garen's worst trade. Like the Zucker trade I liked, even though Gel- Gelcheniak wasn't anything. He got a first-round pick and he got Addison out of it. I think that's a good trade. This pattern for gold trade, it, uh, pattern for coal trade, I think is a fine trade. It just washes out. Like it's, it's not a... It's, 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 and it's I like Cole move. Moore. Yeah. I do like Cole Moore. And I, I think this is going to be... This is... I would like Eric Stahl back, but I think in general, him getting out of that room, like you said, is probably a good thing. And I, I do think at some point in time here, Johansson's going to get a shot. Yep. He's going to be in one. the middle. He might get it before Eck does. I don't think he's going to be great there, but I think he's going to, to get that shot. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this, the Eric Stahl trade to me was way more about clearing it, Eric Stahl out. The Nino trade for Rask is awful because he, he was still at an age where I think that there was an upside that teams could have seen and potentially given the wild more back. Mm-hmm. Stahl is not going to get you much. So it might be. Garrett's worst trade, but to me, it's not as offensive as the Rask trade because I think the entire goal was to clear Stahl off this team. I agree. And they basically took a flyer, right? Yep. Johansson's a flyer player. Yes. Like he's going to, he might be okay. He might might not. But the most important thing is he is an unrestricted free agent who can walk after the 2021 season and create cap space. And that's good. How weird is it for me to say this? In fact, you know what I'm going to, Create some transition oh, music here. Oh, oh, okay. Hold on a second. Yep. Next talking point. How weird is it for me to say that the wild going to three on three OT is now a welcome site if you are a fan of this team? The last two years apiece, Declan Goff. The Wild in three-on-three in each of the last two two years won three games apiece and often looked terrible and would throw out lines or guys like Koivu and Parisi, Suter. It would would be basically watching very quick teams play against a snail's pace, right? Yeah, it'd be like a junior's team playing against a men's league. And Dubnik would give up some god-awful goal and you'd go home with your one point and be PO'd. Uh, those two games against the Kings were fantastic. Yes. You you can now trot out Kaprizov, Fiala, Spurgeon, and now the guys that come after are okay. But the fact is, I, I think that the Wild, the last two years, if you had taken a survey and said, who wants, who do you want to see or who wants to go to three-on-three OT? The Wild would be near the bottom of the league, and you would say, I do not want to see them. It's bad for them. It's bad for the fan experience. The Wild now, to me, probably moves into the top third of this league as far as give me uh, 97 and 22, and I will watch this all night long. This is great. Finally, the Wild are enjoyable in overtime. How I mean, weird is that? I mean, for God's sakes, I'm like I'm looking forward to now overtime games because Fial and Kaprizov are going to go up and down the ice. It'd be even more fun if you get Stalock involved because he's a force skater on on the ice too. 
Um, but I, I do think Fial and Kaprizov give this team such a different dynamic that at this point, I mean, you just you, you put them out there the whole time. Like <laughs> if asked to go to five, if you do that, but I don't care. Um, it, it was so much fun watching Kaprizov setting up plays in, in those first two overtime games, and it's he was worth the hype, and him and Fiala deserve to be out there. This is this is exactly what you want. You don't want guys like Stahl. You don't want guys like Koivu or Brodeen or Suter being out there for a significant period of overtime. These are the guys you want. And now all of a sudden, yeah, the Wild can actually get two points in overtime instead of walking away with just one. Game two, Zach did not take the ice. Love that. And it, that was the game where Kaprizov set up Johansson, yep. um, who beat quick with, with that sort of knuckle shot to win the game. Yeah. And I believe that went almost the entire five-minute period. And Zach didn't get on the ice. Think about that for a second. That is pretty nuts. That's think not the, about that's that. not the old wild guard. I can tell you that much. Not the old wild guard. Is there, in your opinion, a bigger drop off in sports though than going from three on three, which I think is glorious. I love it. I think it's absolutely one of the most fun things in sports to watch. From going from that to now the shootout, and I'll give you I'll give you an example. So on. Sunday on the NBC national game, it was the Penguins and Caps, okay? They went to a shootout. And Declan, I swear to God, both teams, and we're talking skill here, right? Like we're talking Crosby, Malkin, Ovechkin. Both teams went through the shootout looking as uninspired and as bored. And guys used to come up with moves and stuff, right? The Koivu move. Um, It looks to me for the most part, like guys have punted there. Yep. I think there might not be a bigger drop-off in sports than going from from a session that very much resembles pond hockey with some of the greatest players in the world to a skills competition, which I think now bores a lot of players. And by the way, when you say drop-off, that's not an insult at the game or insult at the insult no, at the situation. Right? No, because three-on-three right. is fantastic. Exactly. No, I love I love that part of it. And I think it. that's great. And, I mean, there isn't a sport that really does it like that. College football is, you know, has a unique setup where, what, the ball's on the 25 or the 10? Um, 25 25, correct. and I yeah. love that. I think the NFL should honestly adopt that policy. I think that would be great. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if, if we were kicking around ideas, you know, baseball would do a home run derby after 12. The NBA would probably do a three-point contest. You know, like there could be fun ways that. Other but I don't want skills implement. things. I what I what I love is is three on three is still the sport, right? But it's open ice, right? And I like like that. I don't want shootouts, home run derbies, three point. I don't want that. What I want is you to play the sport. Yes, but the shootout is now boring. Yeah, the shootout stinks. But I mean, this is the Penguins and Capitals, right? Two highly skilled teams, and literally. Every shot was like, yeah, okay, here, I'll shoot it. <laughs> like, players are bored with it now. Fans are bored. It When it started, especially in this country, I completely got it. Yep. It made people happy. It, it got them out of their seats. But, Declan, now it's boring. It's Correct. boring, and I want to see it gone. I want to see three-on-three, ten-minute overtime period, and if you're tied, you're tied. Like, ties bother me a lot less I agree. than a skills competition, which I think now has eroded to the point of the players don't want to do it. I agree. All right, last thing for you. Yep. Hold on a second. Little Hartford Whalers Brass Bonanza takes us into the final exercise of today's Judd's Hockey Show. I want to start, and I I think we should do this once a month. I want to start by going through the right now, because it's going to change, what we think should be the wild protected list for the Seattle Kraken expansion draft, which I think will fall in late July of 2021. This is going to be fun. I like you start, okay. you start, and it's going to be the expansion list, your pick of if you choose to go 7-3-1 or 8-1. But what do you think the wild expansion list will be? Okay, so here is what I would do. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give you both. Um, right, we we should play some of this. Yeah, we're, uh, we're, I'm gonna do both. Hockey music. Eight skaters, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna do the seven forwards, three defensemen. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you both those lists here, and uh, I'll, I'll 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 start going once you got got some music there. Yep. You want me to go? There you go. All right. Just pot that down a little bit. We can do a little it. brass bonanza. So 
Okay. Obviously, for the eight skaters, you're going to have to protect all your players with no movement clauses, which means five of the spots are already taken. That's Zach Parisi, that's Matt Zuccarello, that's Ryan Suter, that's Jared Spurgeon, and that's Jonas Brodine, which means only three spots are left on those eight skater lists. Okay, so go go through your, so it's Parisi, Zuccarello, Suter, Spurgeon, Spurgeon, and Brodine. Brodine. Yep. So that's five of the eight, already, already taken up. Yep. The three players I would protect would be Kevin Fiala, Marcus Foligno, and Matt Dumba. Ooh, okay, we Remember, disagree on one. Kirill Kaprizov is exempt from this. He is not. You don't have to protect him. He's exempt from this Correct. list. So he, Correct. So Correct. that's why he's off this list for people. If are you confused? So again, yep. my eight skater, eight skater exam, uh, expansion protection list would be Parisi, Zuccarello, yep. Fiala, Felino, Dumba, Suter, Spurgeon, Brodine. Okay. What do you, you want me? To, want me to just do the seven three yeah. one? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. Yep. Let's so go then through the, them and then te- then tear it apart. So then the seven forward three defenseman route, which is the traditional route. That yes. most teams do. Yes, because it, yep. And again, those five, uh, I'll, I'll go with my forwards here. So, Parise has to be protected. Zuccarello has to be protected. Then I would go Kevin Fiala, Felino, Eck, Greenway, and then player to be named later. Your new center. Player to be named your later. New, your new center. Borrow a baseball Because you have now traded Matt Dumba. Yes. Which means, because if you go the 7 3 1 route, your, your defenseman already taken. Like you literally already have three defensemen Spurgeon, that are taken. Suter, and Brodine. Yes, sir. You literally you can't. And there's no one else you can protect from your defense because like if you do the seven three one route, that's already in place. Correct. So that's why I think the Wild might be more inclined if they don't make a trade. That is to do the eight skater route because yeah. otherwise oh, you're going to yeah. lose Dumba. Yes. And you, and and look, this would mean you'd expose Joel Erickson Eck, who would probably potentially be taken by Seattle. Um, but I, I would, I think Felino is more valuable to this team than Joel Erickson Eck is. Interesting. Even though, even though Eck is a center and Felino is not. Yep. Yeah. So on seven, three, and one, we agree completely. Like <laughs> right now, yeah. I don't have a seventh forward I would protect. No. There's not even one where I'm like debating. Boy, should I protect that guy? <laughs> what Jerry Mayhew? Sorry. Okay. So my guy. I'll just go down my list of eight, which. Right now, I agree completely, would be what they would do. And we disagree on one. All right. So, to your point, Suter, Zuccarello, Spurgeon, Parisi, Brodine must protect, which hurts because Matt Zuccarello. My eighth skater, though, is not the same as yours. Okay. Because I am going Eck. Because he's a center. Oh wow! And I can't exp- I can't lose another one. All I right. just can't. I get that. Yep, I get that. And so now I've exposed Greenway, Felino, Susie, and I believe that I believe Capo has to be protected as well. So he won't be because I'm protecting Talbot. Yep. Um, and my guess is that there will be a better goaltender choice, probably or choices. So I'm guessing that they wouldn't take Capo. So I'm going to hold my breath. And my and I think they might take Greenway. Felino's a veteran, and I like him, but he's sort of a guy who would probably fit in more on a contending type of team. Yes, like I think he'd be great in the room, but you're young, and and I know that the Golden Knights didn't, but you really should not be good. Like you should not be right. The Kraken should not be great. Now they've got the same expansion rules as the Golden Knights, so there's actually going to be pressure to compete. Yes, and be good, but. In my world, expansion teams stink and get high draft picks. So that being said, I think that unless he's just awful in 2021, I think the best wild card if you're the Kraken is Greenway. Yeah. Because he's young. If he matures, I mean, if he matures, he's Tuck, right? Yeah. That's like he's not right now, but he would be yeah. Tuck. I, I, I see no. I don't disagree with you. But my point but yes, is I that I, I, I would hold my breath and say that they're not going to take Felino because he doesn't really fit the profile of what an expansion team should want. Greenway absolutely does. And so if they pass on Felino and I lost Greenway, I'm not super happy about that, but I'm also not devastated. Uh, and I'm certainly not doing what a bunch of teams, including uh, Chuck Fletcher in the Wild, did back in the day with the Vegas Golden Knights, which was to say, oh, we'll trade you somebody so you don't take our guy. No, that's no, done. No, no. Uh, game set match pa- hard pass on on that. So yeah, Parisi Fiala, I go Eck, Zuccarello, Suter, Spurgeon, Dumba, and Brodine. But I do, to your point, go back to seven and three if I can get a center in a Dumba trade. I dig it. I think I I think those are that's probably what's going to have to happen. 
If you don't, if you don't trade Matt Dumba, you're going to have to go the eight skater route. If you keep Matt Dumba, you have to go the eight skater route. What's your best guess right now? Like which one happens more? Like yeah, like right now, if you if you had to guess, is Dumba there by the time we get to the expansion draft? I don't think and so. By there, I mean on the wild. I don't basket. think he's on the wild. No, I th- I think he's going to get dangled, and I think he's going to get traded. In season or or draft time before the expansion draft? I want it to be in season. I think it'll probably happen draft time. I want it to be in season. I guess the one thing I'm curious about when it comes to that is how much does Bill Guerin look at this division mm-hmm. and see the possibility? Yep. Because I think if you want to truly compete in 2021, if you want to truly compete, you have to go get a center. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be a great one, but it's got to be a guy who can at least slot in to, to the top line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the funniest thing is it's probably going to be a guy like Stahl right. for the short term. Um, so I think that that's probably necessary. But here, but here's the wild card to this entire d- discussion, too. So to me, Dex, the fourth spot in the West, which is the final playoff spot, is very much open, and the wild probably can grab it. Yep. But then if you finish four, you're probably going to play the Avs in round one. I don't think you're beating the Avs. Like, the Avs are damn good, man. They can move. I mean, the only question there is goaltending. So if you assume, hey, we can grab the fourth spot, but we're going to be a pretty easy first round out, how much do you move heaven and earth potentially at that point in time to do that? And I don't know what Bill Guerin's response off the record would be to that question. Yeah, I mean, if he has an opening, then they have to attack it. Um I, I Colorado and Vegas are obviously very good teams. The Wild would not be favored in either of those series. Um, but I honestly, I think I take my chances against Colorado than a, instead of Vegas. Colorado's going to fly up and down the ice, but at the, but there's a soft spot in goaltending there, and I I trust Vegas' depth in their goaltending more than I do Colorado. If Colorado's smart, I think I'd probably try and make a trade yes, absolutely. for a tender absolutely. Absolutely. very soon. Yes. Grubauer's okay, um, and he could certainly play, but... The Golden Knights do have two guys that can play goal. Yeah. And the Golden Knights, but it's just from Bill Guerin's perspective, I don't know how he really feels about this current team as far as expectations go. I get that. All right, Judd's Hockey Show, we're done. Of course, you can join us for um, postgame one-timers as well that we do quite frequently after uh, Wild Games, often on Twitter and uh, Score North social platforms. And every Wednesday, we tape a longer episode in which we break down the world of hockey and the wild. He's Declan. I'm Judd. Fast shoot score. He knows he once ate an entire sheet cake. He knows your selfie life isn't your real life. He knows what goes down on the DMs. Shouldn't you know your dog better? Now you can learn his inner secrets with Embark, the highest rated dog DNA test. Unlocking over 350 breeds and screening for over 215 genetic health risks. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA, that's DNA, to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today. Your story, it lives in River City, where you can enjoy a metropolitan vibe and a small town feel, where we set the standard for service and looking out for one another, where there's so much more than steak in our thriving food scene. Your story is the story of Omaha, told by those who live it and love it. Whether that's helping you keep up with the Cornhuskers or creating the content you crave. And here in the Omaha World Herald is where it comes to life. Omaha World Herald, where your story lives.